Ladies and gents, I'm back with another podcast, another episode rather. Um, I was going to record sometime last this past weekend, but I got distracted. It was kind of a lot going on. I'm still working on my move and stuff like that. I'm trying to get my car situation squared away, which is all squared away for Friday. So I just wasn't in the right headspace. I might not even be in the right headspace right now, to be honest with you. This might not go up. It might go up. I don't know. I'll figure it out within the next five minutes. That's for damn sure. But I today, okay, so today was the big day. Today was the day where Joe Button finally gave us his ass to kiss on his podcast um, and let us know that what we suspected happened this past weekend is what happened. And let me let's talk about irony for two seconds, right? I think it is one of the most ironic things ever in this fucking realm that the man who has fought so hard against the system, the man who has fought so hard about not being paid well, the man who has fought so hard about not having creative control, the man who has fought so hard about having horrible bosses who couldn't see the vision, who didn't believe in him, has become all of those things in one. And then not only that, but is perpetrating those things towards people he cares about. Now, granted, everyone can have their own opinion about what happened behind the scenes, but I'm talking about, I'm using context clues from body language, which is about 75% of how we communicate. Words don't make up that much. So hanging on to someone, every word is not only dumb, but it's just not scientifically correct in how we process information. So I'm looking at his body language. I'm looking at the body language of the people in the room. Um, there was a succession of tweets from Maul this past weekend, which were very encrypted and were subs and on Instagram. And then Maul and Rory are both in L.A. right now working on Griselda's album, which was another piece of irony because it's like that's what kind of gave it like the reality TV show feel to me because I was just like, oh, this is just a rollout. Like this is just them trying to roll something new out, try to get more Patreon subscribers because I was thinking, okay, what they're going to do is cause all this drama. And then they're going to get on Patreon and say, or they're going to get on YouTube and ask us to subscribe to their Patreon. So then we get on Patreon and there's nothing there. That is absolutely not what happened this today. Um, I'm just super disappointed. I'm very disappointed to... I'm very disappointed to see Joe Button kind of Jay-Z the situation, but without Jay-Z credentials. Like, at least when Jay-Z started making his de- his deals with Lior and, and, you know, pushing Dame Dash and them to the side, he had numbers and resources to back him. I do think Joe Button has the numbers, but he doesn't... Okay, let's talk about this for two seconds, right? I went through the, the Joe Button podcast, or the Joe Button Network YouTube channel, the the YouTube video they have with the most views is the uh, there's two of them, the story of Adidon, which is an iconic. It's not a, so much of an iconic episode. It was just the timing. Everything was right. So I guess you can't say it's iconic because icon doesn't always have to do with the quality. It has to do with it, it the stars aligning for me, and then the Pusha T episode. Other than them two episodes, they're not cracking more than 250, 300K views. Now, that's not to say that's not a big deal because I don't have a YouTube channel. I'm not into marketing. I don't know what the AdSense go for. But what I do know is Kelly Stamps on fucking YouTube has half the amount of subscribers as them and gets more views than that on every video she posts. Videos are 10 minutes. And she's only been on YouTube for two years. They've been on there for years. So 
there are people who are doing way better than Joe Button and them in the podcast world and in the YouTube world. They don't, he does not have the numbers. He doesn't have the range to kind of just be pulling, like holding no punches with his friends. I think that is crazy. And to be honest with you, I'm not necessarily, I'm not boycotting in the sense where it's like, fuck Joe, fuck the JBP, but it's like, I'm not going to give you my money if it's not what I signed up for. I did not sign up to hear Ice and Savon talk. For a multitude of reasons. I think Savon is a fucking clown and he should stay on his own podcast. Nothing personal. And I think Ice is a whole bunch of things. I might not be right because people do change. But from the information I gather from him and his tweets, I'm okay. I'm straight. I, I know enough niggas who are living in the mind of Ice. I hear the rhetoric off the, all the time. He's a Twitter nigga. Like, this is a Twitter nigga. We know how he thinks. This nigga has been around since 47, 40-ounce vans. Like, we get it. Now, granted, I think he has a very therapeutic voice. I think he has an amazing voice. I like to hear him talk, but the content, I'm okay. And this podcast episode is going to be about friendship, but it's also, too, going to be a take on what's going on with the JBP, just because it's close to my heart. Um, It's what... I can't say it's what prompted me to start podcasts. That would be a lie. But I can say it's what gave me the confidence to put myself out there. Do I think that they influence people to do a lot of people to do that? Absolutely. But do I think that they are a big enough brand for this type of shit to be going on without it having a lasting effect? Absolutely not. Joe Button is not Joe Rogan. Y'all can say what y'all want. Y'all could be mad. Y'all could be mad at the black man, white man comparison. I don't give a fuck. Now we talk about numbers. It's okay to talk about numbers when 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 Joe is getting his back. Let's talk about the numbers. Joe Button is not even fucking seeing any of the clips from a Joe Rogan episode. A 10-minute clip of a Joe Rogan episode has fucking 15 million views on it. Easy. Joe Button has not, Joe Button fucking music has never even seen that numbers. So for him to be so megalomanic in these situations is kind of off-putting. And it's like, he tries to be PC. He tries to be politically correct. He tries to come from a spiritual place. You're full of shit, bro. Go seek help. That's how I'm feeling right now. Because, and I'm kind of taking some of this stuff personal because I've been through these situations with, with my mentally ill friends. I've been in situations where, you know, um, I got depression, she got a personality disorder, or he got a personality disorder, and we're conflicting because we both have mental illness that's going, un- that's going unchecked. I've been in these situations. It is sad. It's, you know, your heart gets broken half. You lose faith in people. You lose trust. So this is not personal to him and Rory um, and Maul. We're going to talk a little bit more about Maul later because that that was not what I was expecting from him. I was never expecting that from him until I started to talk to more people. And then it all made sense as to why Maul would make the move that he wanted to make. Because all of the fans were pretty, pretty observant with the fact that Maul was not fucking with them putting exclusive con- content on Patreon. Especially after turning down the Spotify deal for a Patreon deal where Joe benefits the most. Because when Joe got the when Joe met with the creator of Patreon, he got a creative direction seat. I'm I mean I'm sure. Now, granted, I'm sure Rory is not short of a job. This is an industry nigga. He's a college graduate. He's in a frat. I'm almost positive that Rory is not short of a job. So that's not me saying that Rory and Maul need Joe to get them employed. That's not my angle at all. But I found that I that you turned down something that could benefit everyone for something that just benefits you and your vision. This is what brings me to my next 
fucking point. This is where I get nuanced because I I can understand why Joe is looking out for Joe because that's that's been his mo from to be from the beginning, and we're gonna talk about his we're gonna talk about his pattern of self destruction self destructing in groups of men in a little while, but let's talk about the Spotify versus the Patreon deal. I can see why he took the Patreon deal because that is in alignment with who Joe is. He has been consistent across the board when it comes to him wanting ownership, him wanting a seat at the table, him wanting to benefit himself and other creators. So when he did the Patreon thing, I said, oh, that is such a great move for Joe. To be honest with you, I was not even thinking about Maul and Rory. I wasn't thinking about Parks because Parks, once again, has his own thing going. And this is more of a, a, a project of passion for him. But I wasn't even thinking about Rory and Maul because that is the energy, that is the ambiance, that is the M.O. of this podcast. I'm realizing when things come full circles, everything is always about Joe and what Joe wants to do. And if me, someone who does not know these niggas, can deduct such simple information, I cannot for one second imagine how Rory and Maul feel. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how it feels to be someone's best friend, be, be a nigga best friend. And not only that, I don't, I can, as much as we think Joe is super communicative, I see him as one of them niggas who's communicating when he either gets paid or when he wants to. I do not see Joe as being a nigga who's going to sit the whole team down and ask them what they want. He the type who's going to do what he want and then come back around and say, hey, I did this for us. No, you didn't. You did this with, with you in mind and it just so happens that it might benefit us and it might not. And when you're dealing with people with personalities like Joe, it's very dangerous because these are people who are addicted to destroying things. They're addicted to self-sabotage. They're addicted to um, making things about them. It's not that they can't be trusted, so to speak, but they can't be trusted with your life and your livelihood. I would never work for that person. I would never work for Mr. Button. He couldn't fucking pay me enough. And the main reason is because at the at the drop of a dime, you could go you can go online or you can go on YouTube or you can say the wrong thing to the wrong person and everyone is out of a job and you don't give a fuck because this is your life story. You're used to building things up just to knock it down and have to build up again. The average person is not into all that scorpionic rise of the phoenix bullshit. And at some point it's, it stops becoming a underdog story and it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And at this point, because before all this shit, it was an underdog story. Before all this, it was an underdog story. And the mall thing, when the mall tweets, the way that they handled that was not good. And and I'll be lying if I said from a social scientist infrastructure, social infrastructure uh, lens, I would be lying if I said that I didn't believe that was the beginning of the end. I remember when that shit happened, I didn't watch a Joe Budden podcast. I wasn't in a discord. I didn't do anything for a long ass time, for a very long time. I had nothing to do with the podcast because I was so disappointed in how it was handled. And I didn't like how it was kind of breezed over. Now, what I can say in positive or in, in a positive on a positive note to that is that Maul's behavior and his persona, that was a very transformational situation for him. And if that was if that was if that was all for Maul to become a better person, I hundred percent understand because, like Homeboy said in the Discord, everyone makes mistakes concerning Ice, and I don't see Ice as a hate. Like he doesn't give me 
hateful vibes. He doesn't give me divisive vibes, but that also doesn't mean that he doesn't hate black women or hate dark-skinned women. So I'm not going to cop please for this person, but I can see how things are okay in 09. Things are okay in 2010, and things are not okay now. I talked about that on my last episode. But back to the mall situation, I can say that when that happened, I thought that was the beginning of the end. They bounced back from that. I think they bounced back from that because a lot of a lot of the black women fans felt vindicated for whatever reason. We felt like we were heard. I remember when that happened, I actually added Joe that morning when I because I, I, I wake up early. Traditionally, I wake up early. COVID didn't fuck me up a little bit, but traditionally I'm up before eight o'clock. And around that time, I was up way before eight o'clock. I was, I was up probably like five thirty six. And I know Joe was up there early as well. I saw the shit online as soon as I woke up. I remember adding Joe and telling him, like, I'm so disappointed. Da, da, da. And, he, and we actually had like a back and forth like two, for two or three tweets. And um, he had a lot of those conversations during that time. And I think that's why black women felt that the black woman fans of the Joe Button podcast felt vindicated. There are a lot of black women who support Joe Button loyally. I would say even more loyally than these dusty niggas who complained over spending $5 for Patreon. I did not see one woman, whether it was black, Latino, Hispanic, complain about supporting. But that's, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into broke niggas. Broke niggas don't get our energy. So when that happened, I kind of veered away for a little, a little while. I came back probably six months later and I was like, okay, the tone of the podcast has changed. They've made the proper changes for me to feel safe in this space. I don't feel, I didn't, I didn't come back feeling like Maul really hates black women. I didn't come back feeling like that. So everything's kind of going smooth, but I can say after that, I I didn't feel like Maul was disconnected after that, but I do feel like he was salty for a couple episodes because he felt like he was being censored in his speech. Who gives a fuck? When you're telling when you're saying something about black women getting electrocuted because they dark skinned and ugly, I don't give a fuck about censoring your speech. Sorry. But I understood his I understood his anger. Um, and I think it's not even so much anger. It's just a defense mechanism when you know you did wrong. Let's call it spade a spade. So he was a little detached from the pod for a couple episodes when I had finally come back. And I thought that was odd because that was like six months after the whole incident happened. But people take that type of stuff to heart. And that's another thing I want to kind of segue to. We have to stop saying it's, it's the internet. It's not a big deal. Bullshit. Bullshit. Because when a celebrity says some crazy shit or a celebrity gets caught doing some crazy shit on the internet or a video gets posted of them doing some crazy shit on the internet, it ends their careers. My mom even has some, some, somebody on LinkedIn because she was disagreeing about them over COVID. She has someone on LinkedIn call her fucking boss and try to get her fired. The internet is a very real place. It is a societal structure. And if you want to keep living your life like you can say and do whatever you want on the internet or you can entertain whatever you want on the internet with no consequence, go for it, buddy. And let's see how that plays out for you. So that was my whole attitude after the fact. And it wasn't personal to the JBP. I just think that was a time and space in Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, where there was some drastic social changes happening, even bigger than the ones that we had maybe seen before, where people, marginalized people just were not going for it. Specifically, I would say black women, black trans women, trans women, and um, gay people. Because 
when it comes to internet spaces, we're always the butt of the joke. So I think those were the people who were kind of like, no, we're not going for this shit no more. Especially when we're subscribing to you. We paying for your merch. We're going to see your shows. It was just the age of accountability. And that was about two, wait, we're in 2021. Yeah, that, that might have been 2018, actually. I think that was 2018. It was the end of 2018. So it was about almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, three years ago. And since then, I think we're moving into a space where politics, as much as as important as it seems today, and it seemed in the past year or two, politics are becoming less and less important and mental health is, is becoming more and more important. And the way that you treat people is becoming more and more important because I think a lot of bad people hide behind morally good politics. And I think when, I think when you're able to kind of caveat between having liberal politics, but then also being a shitty person when you're in your neighborhood, you on your block, you're dealing with your girlfriend, that's a very dangerous space to be in. So I think those were the things that people were considering in 2018. Whereas opposed to now, it's even more nuanced because a lot of the people that we've been watching for the past 10 years were building parasocial relationships with. And if you don't know what that is, go look it up. But basically what it is, is where Someone knows you exist and you know they exist, but because you're of a lesser status than them, they don't engage you, but they, they still look at your tweets. They still um, maybe like your pictures. They still engage you maybe in their videos, the way they're talking in t- indirectly to you. That's parasociality. And so I think a lot of us have these parasocial relationships with these gurus, with podcasters, with uh, Instagram models, whatever the case may be, because it don't matter how famous you fucking are. If you're on your phone every day and it's the same 10 people commenting, you're going to get to know these people's voices. You're going to get to know these people's minds. You're going to get to know how they express themselves. No matter how, how much you feel like you're detached from them. Let me tell you motherfuckers something. Connection happens whether you want it to or not. There's a thing called friendship formula. Where it's about is about intensity. Intensity is intensity and frequency are the two of the top things that have come up in the friendship formula. If you have a whole bunch of intense, frequent fans, you're going to build some type of camaraderie with them. And how I connect this and tie this back into the JBP is just that this whole weekend has really shown me how cool people want to look to people who don't know them. You want to look cool to Joe Button and Savon and them when because you thinking they're gonna come in the Discord and see, bro. Let me fucking tell you something. The only motherfucker who pay my bills is my fucking mama. That's the only person I care about seeing what I'm doing. Sorry. I'll be in your Discord calling you a narcissist or calling you a dweeb. Because if, if we if we dealing with the parasocial shit, you don't even know. Are you act like I don't, you don't know I exist? And we just go off the fact I know you exist. So... That was all happening this weekend. That was rubbing me so wrong. Because I'm like, who are you trying to impress with these contrary opinions? Acting like you don't understand how friendships work, nigga. Just because somebody got a whole bunch of followers and none of them are really famous. If you don't, if you're not a part of rap culture and not even like mainstream rap culture, if you're not a part of boom bat rap culture, you probably have no idea who Maul and Rory and Joe Button are. None of us knew who Parks was. We, I knew who officially Ice was just because he's been a, a Twitter nigga. Uh, excuse me. I'm so sorry, y'all. He's been a Twitter nigga for so long, but like, nobody knows who these people are. People know just as much about them as they know about me on average. If you're not a black American plugged into Twitter. 
if you're not literally a black American plugged into Twitter, you have no idea who these people are. Unless you're into music podcasts, because there are people who are live overseas who are just into music podcasts. They want to hear people talk about music. And that's what it started out as. It started out as a music podcast, a boom bap rap podcast. So I get that part. But people in, the, not in our Discord, but people in the, the Joe Button Network Discord, they, bro, these people get on my fucking nerves. Oh my God. Who do you think is about to interact? Do you think Roy about to log in the Discord right now until you stop talking about Joe? Do you think that Joe's about to log in a Discord right now and tell, tell everybody to shut the fuck up? He would never do that because if he wants to fucking make money, he's going to shut the fuck up. This is the problem with the average fan. We don't believe we have any buying power because y- y- I- I'm in the Discord. People are me, how y'all going to boycott? Because I can. I can. The same way I subscribed to Patreon, they took that $25 out my account these past two months. It's the same way I can hit that unsubscribe or pause. And they don't get no fucking money because I don't want to give it to them. I don't want to give my money to a podcast where the boss fucking treat the workers right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with standing up as a consumer. So that was pissing me off. And that didn't have nothing to do with the podcast. It's just the fans act so fucking stupid. And then you got people. Oh, well, Joe soothed my nerves. He calmed my nerves. He didn't say nothing. He didn't say anything. He sat on that podcast for an hour and a half and said absolutely nothing he had he held no accountability per fucking usual i wasn't expecting that he didn't really give no details what are you what are you trying to salvage right now that's my question if i was in or i and have you say his name if i'm in or i'm parks or i'm you know the the other swift all these white folks surrounding him who who have power, I be sending his black ass down and being like, look, we about to play this shit up. We about to make some money. We're going to give the fans information. It don't even have to be true. And then you, and then Joe come on there talking about transparency and you just talking in circles like you fucking Jada Pinkett Smith on the red table. This is not a time for you to be talking about fucking nothing. And then try to spin it. We're going we gonna to put the rest of the conversation on Patreon. As fucking if, nigga. You better hope you put it on there before April 1st when my membership run out. You got me fucked up if you think I'm rolling with that bullshit. So now that I got that rant out the way, I want to talk about friendship and business. I said it last episode. I'm going to fucking say it again. You are not meant to be in business with all your friends. You're really probably not meant to be in business with none of them. And if it works, that's just a miracle. It takes a lot of work to work with your friends and your peers. That's one thing these white folk got right. Hiring a whole bunch of people who don't know each other and having them form their own relationship, their own new relationships and not depending on the pre-existing relationships. Because if you're dealing with motherfuckers who don't know how to communicate their feelings and who don't know how to um, talk to you and resolve conflict, the gig is up. The gig never stopped. It never happened. The rocket never took off. It blew up midair. Like you can hang up that shit. Hang it up. You have to be dealing with other healthy people. Bro, the healthiest motherfuckers in that room is probably Maul and Parks. And really Maul. Because I think Parks, he, you know, he played with, well, I'm not going to say that. But he says certain stuff that like, like he got drug issues or something. Or he do drugs recreationally when there's no such thing as doing hard drugs recreationally. But that's a personal, that's a personal opinion. That's not me. The, everything else I'm talking about is general. But 
The only one in that room who seems to be mentally sound, no matter how much I don't agree with him, is Maul when it comes to trauma. Like, I don't think Maul has a whole bunch of childhood trauma. He doesn't experiment with drugs and alcohol. He comes in and he's he's in his same mood. He doesn't have emotional regulatory issues. Joe fucking Button and, and Irish Black Bastard, a.k.a. Rory, neither one of them niggas are in the position mentally or emotionally to be dealing with one another. I don't think everybody trying to pin it on Rory because Rory going through so much. Where were y'all when Joe was going through all this shit with love and hip hop and sin? And he was getting smeared, coming into the podcast, not talking. Nobody was sitting around picking on him and telling him to fucking go home. So why Rory got to go home? And if that was the case, you should have sent Rory ass home when when academics... Made his business to break up his happy, not happy home, break up his miserable home, but to break up his home situation. You, I don't understand the 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 back the backwards thinking that that Joe Button has is really annoying. And now it's like at first it was cute because it wasn't affecting us negatively, but the Joe Button pocket is a part of my self care. Your ta- it's like it's like ta- it's like saying, oh, you can't go get your nails done no more, girl. Why? Because your nail lady don't work here no more. Why? Who, what y'all do? Because her ass been showing up for work every six years. I'm sorry for excuse me for the past six years. Every day her ass been showing up for work. So why she ain't showing up for work now? What the fuck did you do? When you are the boss, you boulder the responsibility, period, point, fucking blank. If you don't want it that way, then sell your shit on the public market or hire private investors, venture capitalists. Mall got connections, fucking ask, ask bigs to invest. Roy got connections, he can ask one of them niggas to invest. Ask Griselda to invest 10%. Ask Biggs to invest 20%. Ask so-and-so to invest this percent. And then Joe Button gets the, 50, the, the 49% because he don't need to be the majority. And that's another thing motherfuckers don't understand. The majority, is the, or the majority is the person or people who all have 51%. So if you have a board of people, excuse me, and you have 49% to yourself, but your board is the 51%, they are the voting majority. That's why corporations have boards. You can't enter into the, a white supremacist society, enter into a white male dominated job market, and then try to do stuff super duper different. You're going to fail because the system is not set up for you to flourish doing different things. And I understand that's why he decided that he wanted to go to Patreon, but it's just like, Fuck Patreon, like, and now everything is making sense because now I'm realizing why Maul probably was mad about going on Patreon. Patreon, nigga, we got issues in this house we need to figure out. In this little basement, this little basement and this little brownstone. Rory going through a, 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 a premarital divorce, basically. I mean, like, Joe is all over the fucking place. His other two podcasts are not doing that well. If we just want to be honest, see, the thing is, it's probably doing a little bit better than girl, I guess, because they have more opinions for people to argue with and go back and forth with. I personally um, am not really interested in the format they have right now in girl, I guess, because they're trying to find a co-host. 
I don't like them just throwing any old dark-skinned girl in the chair. That bothers me because what that says to me is y'all were just looking for a dark-skinned woman to put on here with these two biracial women. And I understand representation, but it can't be representation without any substance. Because representation without any substance is you not doing the work. Doing the work means I'm going to do the internal work that I have, whatever prejudice I have against dark-skinned women. I'm going to do that work first. And then when I do that work, I'm going to, I'm going to seek, not only seek out, but, but dark-skinned women of quality are going to gravitate towards me. Because you're not just virtuous because you're a dark-skinned woman. I'm not going to play that game. You know, y'all know I don't do virtue signaling and I don't damn people to death based on dumb shit like race, nationality, and sexual orientation. So I'm not going to say Mandy and Bridget don't deserve their spot just because before them, there were other undeserving biracial women who got spots they didn't deserve. I do know Mandy is a beast in these podcast streets and has been for the past couple years. And I know Bridget has been in the industry for a while. Yeah, Bridget has been in the industry for a while and she's been on their podcast before and she had a good reception. And I think that she's just, she's a good conversationalist. I love the sound of Bridget's voice. Her takes some time are garbage when it comes to men because she's pick me. She's a pick me, not pick me. Yeah, she is pick me. She is that, that. When I think of a pick me, I think of her. Um, But when Olivia left, alarm bells should have been ringing for us. I'm just going, I'm just going to keep it a buck. When Olivia left, alarm bells should have been ringing for us. Because to me, personally, I thought Olivia was pick me-ish too. But one thing I can say is big, large groups of men usually do like being involved with a whole bunch of pick me women because it validates their egos. And it's, it's a nigga like Joe Button, he's not going to... I, I, I could never see Joe Button having a woman like me who's going to be constantly challenging him, working for him. Unless I was hired from someone, someone he knew from the outside. It would never have been his choice to bring in a, a, a very assertive, direct, confrontational woman. It would have never been his choice. Um, so I do think that his personality speaks volumes about the women who he employs. And that's no shade against them because I, I do want to make clear that it's not about a right or a wrong in this situation. I'm just spitting facts. And if me spitting facts got you hurt, got you upset, then that's on you because... It just is what it is. Reality is reality is reality is reality. But back onto the Olivia thing, when Olivia left and she left and felt like she couldn't... First of all, all the amical breakup shit, nigga, fuck all that shit. This is the age of the internet. This is the age of the reality TV show. Y'all talking about transparency. Why did Olivia feel like she couldn't say nothing? And it's all love. It obviously wasn't all love. That's a lie. And I think in the entertainment industry, all that, well, this is business. Okay, but what about your mental health, baby? What about the fact that you're going to be carrying this shit around thinking about, I wish I would have said that for the next 10 years? Because that's what happens. Just because you're an artist don't make you any different. If anything, it makes you probably a little bit more sensitive. So when Olivia left and, and, and announced it on an Instagram story, I'm like, this is so, you talk about being professional? This is unprofessional. That's unprofessional. That's not, that's like quitting and not giving your two weeks. We only do that at restaurants. So when that happened, I was just like, oh shit. Okay. Mm. The workplace ain't right. And we talked about that in Discord too. And people were hinting that her feeling sexually uncomfortable. Maybe, but to be honest with you, I don't think any woman in that one, now in that podcast. Now, if Karen Civil or... Ming Lee were to say that, I think that'd be a little bit different because even though they're in the industry, they're in positions in the industry where they're not being overly sexualized, especially Karen. So if they were to say, I felt uncomfortable with sexual advances, I would be like, okay, 
I, I can see that. Or if that was in the rumor mill, I would be like, okay, that makes sense because these are women who are not being put in these positions where men are making passes at them all the time. One, because they're two women who have their own businesses and they work for themselves. Bridget, Mandy, and Olivia have never worked for themselves. They've always had to have a man as the middleman between them and a gig. Especially Olivia and Bridget. So one of them saying they felt uncomfortable sexually with Joe, he's not that creepy. And I'm almost positive that both of them bitches have been around way creepier niggas. So I never thought that it was that. What I thought it was, was one, I, I thought that Olivia was upset because Mandy, first of all, someone needs to direct Mandy on that podcast. She talked too fucking much. Bitch, you on about three different podcasts. Why you got to come on this one and bulldoze on this one too? That's annoying. And I, li- I like her voice in the sense that I like, I like her angle. I do like that she's an openly polyamorous woman. I like the fact that she's, um, you know, a big girl. I like, I just like the margins that she fits in. I like the fact that they, those margins have voices with her. <coughs> Excuse me. But with, with Olivia, it's like you put a dark-skinned woman on the podcast and then she don't get a chance to talk. What's the point of me being here? Now, granted, Mandy is over-talking Bridget all day too. She's gotten a lot better with that, but I think that I'm almost positive that... I know they have a PA on that show. It's I, I forget who what the young woman name is, but they have a PA on that show. And I'm almost positive that after Olivia left, I'm sure... Well, see, and that's another thing, too. Back to my point about artists being wounded, working with other wounded artists. As, as, as bright and as, as beautiful as Olivia was, you could tell she had a lot of mental health issues at the going on at the moment. And part that could have been partially because of her fibroid, that big ass fibroid that they took out of her. Um, I know that she's a single mother. I, I don't think she had any financial issues, but I do think that there's some trauma that she didn't work through. I'll tell my mom this. I think there's some trauma that she didn't work through with biracial light-skinned women. And being in that situation, I think she thought she was going to be okay, and she just wasn't. And I think that that's on her. That's not on Bridget and Mandy. And I think that I think Olivia quickly realized it was not going to be a place where she was going to grow the way that she wanted to, which is amazing. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said about Artists not checking their mental health before they take certain jobs. And I understand we all got to feed our families. I understand, especially with someone like Olivia, who's a gig girl. She's a DJ. They, they, they're gig girls. So having a steady form of income and doing gigs was probably a lick, especially during COVID time. But the fact that she walked away from that check, that, that you know, monthly, weekly, whatever check that she's not used to just goes to show that she was very unhappy. And I, to be honest with you, as fucked up as this might sound, I if it's not a multicultural cast and it's majority light-skinned women, like high yellow women, just, just put another light-skinned biracial girl with them. Because it's like the black community has so much work that needs to be done that I don't think just throwing dark-skinned women in with light-skinned women or throwing biracial in with a whole bunch of dark-skinned women, I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is, like I said, doing the internal work. But we're going to move on from that. Now, girl, I guess. Girl, it's getting better for me because I, I'm realizing that Ming is a sweetheart. Karen is a sweetheart. They're just genuinely good women. They're 
older women, not really even that old, but they're older women, they're establishing their careers, like they about their bread, they about their their connections in the industry. Like I think that part of it, and I love the intimacy between them. I love the fact that they're really friends. I love that. What I don't like is the abuse they receive in their comments, and that's made it hard for me to watch. Because you know when you go on YouTube, the first thing you do is read the comments. That's made it hard for me to watch, because I'm usually reading comments while I'm listening. I'm like, this is so hard to watch, but it's like I want to support because I don't want for knowing super impulsive, destructive Joe Button to tear it all down and feel like it was all for nothing because they're not getting the views that they deserve. Because I do think there needs to be a space for black women to be intimate with one another without having to talk about trendy topics. You feel what I'm saying? And I like how they're not always talking about what's on trend. They're not always talking about breakups and this and that. Like they, They're talking like how they probably would talk if they were in the house just chilling, catching up, which I think is dope. But I said all that to say that there was already trouble in paradise before they got on Patreon. There was already probably some financial and some viewership issues before they took their asses to Patreon. And I think that's what I was picking up on with Maul. I think all this time, um, these past two months, maybe even before Patreon, it just seemed to me like Maul has been checked out for a while. I do not think, I, I, first of all, I don't know what Maul does for work. I don't know what Maul does for work. I know this ain't his only bop. I don't know what he does for work, but it's really none of my business. So I'm not going to speculate. And I don't know. I kind of know Rory is A&R um, and management. But from, I mean, from watching Journey with Ian, that don't really pay that much unless your artists are making money. Because if you can 30% of $10,000, shit, that's what, $30, $300? Like... And they ain't doing a whole bunch of gigs. So I don't, I'm just trying not to, I am a pocket watcher. I'm a bird. I don't care what people say. Blah, 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 blah. I like money. And it ain't so much trying to see if people broke. I just like to, I like to just calculate. It's just, I just like money. I like calculating. I like all that budgeting. I just like all that shit. So when I pocket watch, it's not to say, oh, that nigga broke. It's just to see, see, see what niggas pockets is like. It's not to judge them. But I, I I still don't like broke niggas. So, I mean, I, I'm just keeping that up. But I don't think any of them are broke by <laughs> a stretch of the fucking mile. But I don't know what they do outside of the podcast is my point. So, I don't know how important this, this coin is. I don't know. I don't just don't know. And it's not my business to know. You know what I'm saying? So... With that in mind, it's just been weird to kind of see, like, to see Maul falling back over the past year and a half because I don't think that he likes how people, I don't think he likes how people affect him with, with when they share their opinions on his political issues or, like, I just don't think that he likes the fact that the Joe Button podcast fans can sometimes be an echo chamber, especially on Twitter. Um, on YouTube, his YouTube viewership and his Patreon and like his Patreon viewership and his Discord, his true fans, the core the the core fans of the Joe Button podcast are fucking dope. Minus the thirsty niggas and the pygmies. Minus them, they're fucking dope. The average Joe Button podcast fan, I think, is a little dusty. But that's the average fan. That's not the core fan. Like the, the casual Joe Button fan 
is listening to this to hear Joe to, to kind of fulfill some shadow side need to kind of see a man who they relate to do stuff that they feel like they can't kind of the same with Kevin Samuels. I think that's why he has such a large black male fan base is because this is a black man who spends most of his time demeaning black men or black men and black women. And there are black men and black women who support him. And I think it's because they're able to vicariously bully people and mistreat people and talk down on people through this person. And I think that is the casual Joe Button fan, the casual Joe Button podcast fan. That's just my honest opinion. I'm open to being wrong about all this shit, but I'm intelligent enough to know that I'm probably wrong only about 40% of it. Just being honest again. And then seeing Rory's mental health deteriorate rapidly, rapidly has been sad to watch. Um, the fact that it's been a, a joke has fucking had me live it. And to keep it a buck with you, I'm more invested in his fan base than in this podcast. And I have been, I have been feeling that way. I would say for about the past six months, just because I don't like the fact that Rory has, Rory has kind of not been able to, bruh, let me tell you, let me tell you one fucking thing. That Reiki healing segment was so hard for me to watch as someone with mental health, the trauma, and who's also super into metaphysics and spirituality. I felt disrespected personally. I took that personal because it triggered me and I can be honest about that. And let me say this, and I'm going to end on, and I didn't really get into the friendship piece. I just kind of, this is just going to be a rant. This is going to be a vent. Um, this is not, this is not me really articulating and, and getting down to the nitty gritty in the social structure away. But let me say this. There is nothing funny about mental health, mental health issues. There's nothing funny about acute mental illness. There's nothing funny about alcoholism. There's nothing funny about a crackhead. There's nothing funny about depression. And unless you are the person, not not a person with mental illness, because niggas love doing that. Niggas love doing that. Well, well, I got depression too. Okay, well, let's laugh at your old stank ass who ain't bathed in two weeks. Let's laugh at your nappy-headed ass who ain't combed that head to go, go and got that head uh, cut in two weeks. You wolfing. Waves looking crazy. If you got mental health, if you got mental health issues and you and you want to laugh, let's laugh at you. That's what comedians do. Comedians are not talking about other people's mental illness. They're talking about their own. So that's my thing. It's just like joking about suicidal ideations, trauma of any kind, and addiction issues. You're you're gonna lose me. Sorry, I, that's a soft spot for me because I. I check off all those boxes. And I went through that shit as an adolescent from 13 to, to about 21, 22. Really, to be honest with you, 24. For, for 11 years, I have struggled with my mental health and struggled to assimilate and struggled to, to, to please my friends and show up for them. And I'd be goddamned if I'm on my job telling my telling my truth, telling my story, and my fucking friend it keeps interrupting me to laugh at me and make little snark jokes. I would have whooped Joe Button's ass on that episode on live television. You want to make history? You want to get views? Rory is a stronger motherfucker than me because I would have slapped the shit out of that nigga, ASAP Rocky style. 
And then it don't help that Rory, so he acts so codependent and so weak that he told him it wasn't that big of a deal. It obviously was that big of a fucking deal. Obviously. Whole podcast fucking falling apart. And you and your old stupid codependent ass, it wasn't that big of a deal. Nigga, let your fucking nuts hang on that nigga nose, bro. I just don't like these power infrastructure where people, one, feel like they can't be honest. Olivia, Rory, Maul. And who fault is that? Because I don't believe in blaming victims. And it's obvious that Joe is verbally abusive. It just so happens that he's been in... And he's been in areas in his career where verbal abuse is okay. And hip-hop, hip-hop is literally a genre built on verbally abusing women, gay people, and simps, quote-unquote. And you're whoever you beefing with. Basically, anyone who isn't you or isn't a part of your block, your demographic, you're verbally abusing them every time you get on the song, calling people bitches, suck my dick, da-da-da-da-da. If, if the average person was to talk like that out in the streets, they would get their ass rocked. If the average fucking rapper was to say that shit to some random person, we'd be seeing a video of him getting his shit spun. So you can't tell me that there's not an element of oppression and abuse in this infrastructure. You just can't. I'm sorry. And I know, and I know that like, it's not so much, the situation is not that serious to me in the sense that it's like, this is not my business. But once we start spending money on Patreon, ding, 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 it is. You, do people realize what, first of all, I was signed up for the $25 tier. Do people realize what $25 can get you? How much it costs to fill up your car? Your car might, might cost more than that to fill up. is half your groceries for the week. Some people live off $25 a week for groceries. $25 is a lot of money. Now, does that mean that I'm entitled to your information? No, I'm not entitled to no more information from Joe, Rory, or Maul. Would I like some? Absolutely. I'm not entitled to anything. But the product that you promised. Product. Not information, not nothing. I'm entitled to Joe, Rory, and Maul. That's who I'm entitled to when I pay $25 a a month. Plus donations. And anybody who's telling you any different can go eat a dick. Or they can pay for your fucking subscription since we're not entitled to getting the podcast we asked for. And I'm not even so much, I'm not mad right now. I'm just passionate about what I'm talking about. So I want to make that clear. I'm not upset with any of them personally. I'm disappointed in the situation and I'm disappointed in the figurehead. The same way y'all spent four years being disappointed in Donald Trump talking about a nigga who, if he was super racist, he did not give a fuck about your black monkey ass. So people spend every day talking about people who don't know them and don't give a fuck about them. Miss me with the self-righteous bullshit. Joe Button don't need no flying monkeys to protect him from little old Zara who's getting an on average 20 to 50 fucking plays on her podcast. But I just wanted to kind of come on and air my grievances to speculate and just to say how I really feel because in the chats, whether it be in... Uh, Clips Discord or the the Joe Button Network uh, Discord, it, they move so fast. So you, you really can't. I can not only can I not get my shit my shit off, but a lot of the things I knew I had to say that needed a tonal 
They needed some tonal stuff with it. It just needed some context. And when you're typing, it's hard to give the context that you need. I, I'm i not going to say I never want to come across as a hater because I can tell you one thing. I don't give a fuck what people think about my personal opinions. But I will say that I don't ever want to come across as someone who's just being mean for no reason. That's not my prerogative because being mean hurts people's feelings. That's what it's meant to do. And I know that I have a capacity to be very direct when I'm typing. Like I don't do, I, I do the emojis and stuff, but I probably don't do enough textual context clues because I'm, first of all, I'm not really that good at writing I don't know what it, I, and I've made fun of myself about this before, but growing up in Japan did a number on how I process typing. I am a fucking honor student and I can't get a text out with no grammatical errors to save my fucking life. And the same thing happens on Discord because you type in so fast because you want, you want what you have to say to be caught up in the moment. You don't want to, you know, cause sometimes you might have something to say and then the fucking conversation changed literally in two seconds. You're like, bro, what the fuck? What happened? Um, but yeah, I just got on here really to air my grievances and to kind of just do like a reaction type podcast. And I'm, I mean, I'm, of course I go back and listen to all my podcasts, but this one might just be for me or maybe after I listen to it, I feel like it's for all of us because I do think that I have some really, um, I have some good points to make, but I'm not saying nothing that ain't nobody else said. So it wasn't meant to be novel. It was just meant for me to kind of just say what I had to say in full without having to worry about like 50 other people, their thoughts, how they feel. Because a lot of times I think it's so hard for us to recognize and not only so hard for us to recognize, but it's hard for us to think that other people's thoughts are affecting how we feel, especially when you're not done processing something and you haven't come to a conclusion yet. And I know a lot of people hadn't come to their conclusions yet. Like by the like by this morning when the podcast dropped, a lot of people still were very confused, didn't understand what's going on. Niggas don't like to read, so they come in your fucking Discord and ask you questions where they can go read it yourself. And that's another fucking thing. Let me say this. You niggas who don't be in the clips Discord and then when something happens or you need a link to something or you need help with something, you come. We're not your fucking parents, bro. We don't know most of you niggas. Build a friendship first before you come in here asking niggas to do stuff for you. That is so weird. That's so weird. I don't get it. But yeah, this is just me airing my grievances. I'm just airing my grievances. I'm just, you know, voicing my disappointment. I'm being honest. I'm being direct. I'm being 100%. And I think that... If Joe can get if Joe can get in his bag and no, don't give a fuck how nobody feel, then I think his fans should be able to do the same. Because if you can't if you can't take it, you shouldn't be dishing it. And if him and his uh, cohorts conglomerate are not in a position to where they can they can take what they're dishing, then maybe it is time to find to move on to the next chapter. Maybe it's time for them to move on and for them to spread their wings and for them to start investing in other podcasts. Really make it a network. Because a network is not something that only has three shows on it. Even fucking FX has a whole bunch of different things going at once. They might have their main three shows, but those are shuffled out through season. So there's a lot of, once again, infrastructure issues. And not even infrastructure issues, but just infrastructure changes 
and even infrastructure introductions, they need to add some fresh meat to that team. They need to add someone who don't know nothing about hip hop, who don't know nothing about nigga culture. They need to add someone who just knows how to build a company, how to build a network from scratch. Artists got to get off that. Everybody got to be cool shit. We got to be a family. No, we don't. Uh, you know, the, you know what the second part of art is once you get into the commercial arena? Business. If the business ain't right, no one gives a fuck about the art because we'll never get it. We'll never get the art because the business, the business piece is all janky. And right now, it just seemed like they operating in the negative. And then he had the fucking audacity from this is a multi-million dollar network. Okay, girl. Sure, Jan. Sure. And it's, it's not about money. But then for the, the, the next 45 minutes, you, you're just sitting there talking about numbers and money. Okay, Jan. Okay, sis. If you say so. I Every day I pray, one, that I don't have to work like a Hebrew slave. And two, that I do not have a boss like Joe Button. Because I wouldn't made it. I wouldn't have made it six years. I don't see how they did it. Because people like Joe Button suck the energy out of you. You be drained talking to them. You don't understand why you always drain when you around them. Like, them type of people suck the energy out of you. Because that's, that's what narcissistic personalities do. I'm not a therapist. I can't diagnose him. But I know he has some type of personality disorder. And his ass needs to be in trauma therapy every fucking... He he one of the ones need to be in there every other day. Fuck once a week. He got too much going on. He need to be in there every other day. But what I find with most artists is that they use art and friendship to replace and to, and to cure trauma. You're taking all your trauma like a fucking book bag. What did Summer say on Rick and Morty? Morty. I want you to get your fucking book bag, put all your shit in that book bag, zip it up, and keep it the fuck together. That's what therapy is. And I do think that you can see the difference between people like Bridget and Mandy and Karen. And I don't know if Ming has a therapist, but I think that you can see the difference in people who are in that industry who have therapists or who have life coaches, who have colleagues that they can go to in um anonymity and voice their opinions without having to work but worried about retaliation and what i find with personalities like joe is not only do they keep people they keep people spaced out and kind of separate but not only that but they make it so people don't feel safe enough saying how they feel out in the open air because then it becomes open air fire it becomes friendly fire and i know that's what happened this past weekend because Parks said that Joe really lit the whole situation on fire. He was the spark that he was the spark in the carousel because, or the kerosene because one, <laughs> I'm sure if my social scientist asked were to get in there and really do research on the dynamics, there would be so much illegal shit happening in that network. I'm almost positive that there is a myriad of illegal activity happening and not illegal in the sense people are criminals, but illegal in the way that they're dealing with each other in the human resources sense. The fact that Ian or Ian and Joe are the only point of reference when it comes to what happens, problematic.
the fact that Joe is telling people when they need to take a break, go take a few episodes. No, nigga, that's not how it works when someone at your job is in crisis and you're the boss. When you're the boss and someone is in crisis mode and you're fearing for their mental health, you pull them to the side and you say, I feel like you need to take a leave of absence. During that leave of absence, you make sure that they have the right PPO so they can get therapy so they can come back better. You don't just tell a nigga, go take some time off. Let me tell you black men something. We are no longer in slavery. Stop treating other black men like slaves. Stop treating other men in general like slaves. Rory is a black Irish. Or really, he's a black Irish is actually an Irish person with black hair. So he's not a black Irish. But Rory is someone who's engulfed into the, the rap and hip hop black community. So I'm just going to sum it up. Treat other black men with love and care. Stop with all this slavery chattel, slavery shit. Stop treating, stop acting like the slave master when you get up in a position of power. Stop it. Or else you're no better than these white people that you sit around and talk about all day. You claim to be the victim of white supremacy and racism, but then once someone gives you the power and the tables turn, you treat your own worse. And then you, you, you fucking throwing stones and hiding your hand. I don't like that. I don't like how I don't like how the mental health aspect is being handled. And I know that sounds like a broken record, but that is the most important piece. We can't be trying to dismantle the system of, of art, the system that that these white people have built for artists. And then we're creating a worse system instead. Because if this is how niggas is conduct, conducting themselves behind the scenes, this is worse. Because at least with white folks, they got a little bit of structure. They handing out pink slips. They got someone they can send you to if you need to talk. Nothing probably going to get done, but at least you think there's some options there. Imagine being in a situation where your friend is your boss and there is no one else to talk to except for this nigga who is completely unapproachable and out of control. And that's what I want everyone to leave with. I want for everyone to leave with thinking about how they treat their fellow black woman and their fellow black man or their fellow white friend or their fellow Hispanic Latino friend. I want for everyone to walk away thinking about when I get power, how the fuck do I act? Do I act like I don't have no fucking sense? Am I beyond reproach? Or do I try to do right by it? No one's perfect. But do I try to reconcile? Do I own up for my part? Do I take responsibility for where I was wrong? Because if you're not going to do that in a position of power, your ass should remain a peon. And leave the positions of power for people who want to take on that responsibility. If you're not comfortable with conflict, you're not comfortable with verbal altercations, you're not comfortable with... Caring about someone more than they care about themselves and their time of need. Do not apply for the boss man position. Be a technician. Work hard. Take your coins. And then you, don't, then you get to do what you love. And you don't have to be responsible for another grown person. But if you're not responsible for... If you're not, if you're not comfortable being responsible for other grown people, you don't deserve to be the boss. And someone needs to take your job and do it fast. Or else you're going to blow up the whole company. It's that simple. So I want for everyone to leave here thinking about power, thinking about dynamics and infrastructure and thinking about how we're, how are you going to be a, how are you going to be the change you want to see in this world? How are you going to be a change you want to see in this system? And if you truly don't think that you're going to make that much of a change, you better off just doing your fucking time, keep your head down and collect your coins from these white folks. But if you're going to be an activist and a fight the power and all this shit, big up and really step up to that position and really do what needs to be done. And with that, I'm going to say I love you guys. I wish everyone to have a good day, and I'll be back next week. Ciao.